time measured out my days life carried me along in my heart I yearned to follow Christ but never knew I'd be so strong I looked hard at this world to see how heaven could be gained just to end where I began, where human effort was all in vain. But were it not for grace, I can tell you where I'd be Lowing down some pointless road to nowhere With my salvation up to me And I know how that would go the battles I would face forever running but losing the race were it not for grace so here is all my praise I give with all my heart Offer to a friend Who took my place And ran a course I could not start And when he saw in full Just how much his love would cost he still ran the final mile between me and heaven so I would not be lost were it not for grace I can tell you where I'd be going down some pointless road to nowhere with my salvation up to me and I know how that would go the battles I would face But losing the race were it not for grace forever running but losing the race were it not for
Were it not for grace. Thank you, Brother Henderson. As we come this morning, uh, we come to celebrate. We come to celebrate what God has in store for us. And it's such a joyful experience to, for Christian brothers to come together in solidarity, knowing that we are saved by grace, knowing that indeed we are heaven bound. And it doesn't matter what is holding us down on this earth, we may be going through trials and tribulations, whatever we are going through, it is only temporary. Amen? Can you say the word with me? Temporary? It's only temporary. It's only temporary. Repeat with me. It's only temporary. I believe if we say it long enough, we will believe it because it is true. It is only temporary. We serve a wonderful God and he is making a preparation for us. In the book of John chapter 14, the Lord says, I go and prepare a place. And he prepares a place for us. That where he is, there we will be also. Amen? Amen? And so it is a wonderful experience to know that we serve a Savior that has us on his mind continually. Amen? He has us on his mind. And we are going to make it through, everybody. We will make it through. Uh, this morning, I'm not going to be too long because I, I have a, a, a friend that I want to present to you. And I want you to know that each and every one of us, we need to have a testimony. God wants us to have a testimony. And sometimes he brings us through life, he brings us through experiences that we could never imagine. But he wants to give us a testimony. Now, before I begin, there is a young lady. I want you to come. Just join me here. Join me. And this young lady, she has a mission. She has a mission. And um, I am, I'm always intrigued with young persons when they have a mission and I like to back them. Amen? Amen. And so this young lady, she has a mission that I hope that some of our young people could get involved in. Amen? Because our aim is to reach out and make a difference in 89106, 89107, and spread right across Vegas. Amen? Now, can you tell me, what is your name, please? Karen Valadez. I'm here from Las Vegas, actually. Amen. And so what church do you attend? I attend the Paradise Church. All right. And tell me a little about your mission. What is your mission? Um, this mission is called Youth Rush. It's a conference-run program for young people from the age of sometimes 15, but mainly 16 years old and up to the 20s and 30s if you want to come, if you're still that passionate for ministry. Praise God. It's a ministry where we go door to door and um, we serve the communities like Pastor has a plan in the summer to reach the communities around your church. So what we would do is uh, we would invite young people who are interested to come door to door and we'll be ministering to your community, sharing with them the literature that we have from Mrs. White. Um, so sometimes we're scared to preach. We don't know how to preach up front, but the literature that we have from God, um, they could do the preaching to the neighbors that 
sometimes we can't even say. Praise God. So what we're doing is called literature, literature evangelism. So this program is with Youth Rush, and um, all these young people will be traveling around Las Vegas, Salt Lake City, and Reno, and the surrounding towns, um, sharing the gospel with the people that need God and who have been looking for Jesus as well. Praise God. And I understand that uh, the proceeds that uh, you make from the donations received can go towards uh, the school fees. If, if we have a student attending an Adventist school, mm -hmm. it could go towards um, covering their tuition. Yes. All right? Yes. So all the funds that you raise at the end of the summer, uh, usually all the money that you receive, they're all in a donation. So the people will give you donations for the books that you received. And at the end of the summer, um, you know, how many of you guys have heard of mission trips, but you don't get paid for it? This is kind of like a mission trip here in the States, but you get paid for it at the same time while you're serving God. So that's a plus for it. So the funds that you raise at the end of the summer, you earn 50%, and that could be given to an Adventist university if you're planning on going to one, or schools in the area, like Daystar Academy, I know, has a full academy. Um, if you're planning on to go to an Adventist uh, academy or university, they usually match it up to 50% to 100% to help for your schooling. Amen. So. Praise the Lord. Yes. Well done. And we pray that the Lord will bless you. If anyone is interested, if you are interested in your child attending or being involved in this, are you yourself interested to be a part of this youth rush? I believe they're going to be starting out in June. Right, and, and partially in July and in this area and spread out to the other regions. So we want to thank you. We pray that the Lord will bless you in your ministry. Amen. Let's put our hands together for Youth Rush. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, it's all about, um, this is what it's all about. We want to try to get everyone involved in this gospel, uh, the proclamation of this gospel. And if we could get our young people involved, if we could get our older folks involved, if every single part of the body of Christ is involved, the work is over, everybody. Amen? And as we are seeing right now, we are truly at the end. Because what we're seeing in the legislative bodies of uh, parliament, what we're seeing, I'm saying parliament, in the, I'm in Canada here now. Um, <laughs> in the state and in the house. I have to modify my language right now. And right across the, the world, we're seeing truly that the Lord is coming back again. The laws that's uh, being uh, made and put into, put into order right now indicates that these prophecies that we have long looked for, they're fulfilling right before our very eyes. And I wanna encourage God's people in the study of the word. Now, this coming Wednesday night, we are launching uh, an exciting series, and it is called uh, Prophecy Watch. We will be um, showing you modern-day prophecy, how it relates to some of the, the events that's taking place right now. Ancient prophecies, modern-day happenings. And uh, we are excited about this. Um, we will be looking f um, at the 95 Thesis. Now, remember 95 Thesis that Martin Luther nailed on the doors in, uh, in um, Germany? 
Do you remember that Nose 95? We'll be looking at some of these, but we're going to be looking at the prophetic significance of this in terms of what is happening in our time right now. And we're excited about this because God's people need to be warned. We need to blow the trumpet in Zion. Amen? Because the Lord is coming back again. Amen. And so we are going to be opening our scriptures this morning here. I'm jumping from one to the other, but we're entering into our service today. We pray that the Lord will bless us as we open your words, Lord. Speak to us. Speak through us. We pray, Lord, that your anointing will be seen, felt, and heard. Direct us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book of Matthew chapter 22, we find this parable. Jesus often spoke in parables. And he gave this parable, the parable of the kingdom of heaven. He says, it's likened unto a certain king which made a marriage feast for his son. Uh, a king would definitely like to have his son have a wonderful feast. And so he set this marriage feast for his son and he sent forth his servants into the vineyards. High and low, all across the vineyards, he sent his, his um, servants out to call people, to bid them to come to the wedding. And the people, the scripture says, they would not come. There's an invitation that is out. Uh, the, the king is calling a feast. It is an obvious thing that, you know, this is the king that is taking care of the, the, the land. He supplies the needs of the land and so forth. But the people decided that they would not come to the feast. Now, again, he says in verse 4, he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatling are killed, and all the things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their way, one to his farm, another to his merchandise, and the remnant took, the serv took his servant and entreated them spitefully and slew them. And when the king heard thereof, he was angry. And he sent forth his army, not just servants now, he sent forth his army to destroy those murderers and burnt their city. Then, verse 8, then said he to his servants, the wedding is ready. But they which were invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the highways, and as many as he find, bid them to the marriage. Whoever you find, bid them. It doesn't matter where they're from, invite them. Invite them to the feast. Verse 10. And so those servants went out into the highways and gathered together uh, all the armies that they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came to see the guests, verse 11, he came to see the guests, he saw there was a man that did not have his wedding garments. 
You have to understand that back then, the, the king uh, made sure that anyone that came to uh, the, the wedding, came to any gathering, back then they would ensure that the, the people will be cleansed. And so the people had to go through a cleansing process. They will be washed. They will be um, uh, girded up and have all their, their, their garments and everything on that was given to them. And so what happened in this process? This man decided that he perhaps went through the cleansing process. Perhaps. It doesn't tell us, but perhaps he went through the cleansing process, but somehow he ended up putting on his dirty clothes. He refused the garments of the king and decided that he was going to put on his own clothes. And so this man decided that, you know, the king's stuff is not good enough for me. He decided he wanted to do it his own way. You know, we have a terminology, or I have a terminology for that. We have these own way Christians. It don't matter what you tell them. They have to do it their way. It doesn't matter what the word of God says. They have to do it their own way. It doesn't matter if God says, like, thus saith the word. They have to find a way to do it their own way. Own way Christians. I want you to know own way Christians will not see the kingdom of God. Own way Christians, they will have to make their own kingdom. (laughs) But you know what happens when you're making your own kingdom, right? Any kingdom that you try to make aside from God will perish and will burn. In fact, the king will ensure that your city will be burnt up. And so we have these own way Christians. God has designed a a wedding feast for everyone. He has made it free for everyone. All you have to do is follow the example of Christ, follow the prescription, and everything will be right. But some of us, we are so determined that we're going to do it our own way anyway. And God is saying, it's my way or the highway. And so here, this man, he was an own way Christian in verse 11. He had his own garments on. In verse 12, the king, he saith to him, friend, how camest thou in hither and not having a wedding garment? How did you come in here? And the man was speechless. He had no word to say because he was given the information. He knew the information. He had the knowledge, but he was not convicted of it. Knowledge and conviction, two different things. My fellow Seventh-day Adventists, my fellow Christians, you could have all the knowledge in the world. You could know the Ten Commandments and able to repeat them even backwards. But if we do not allow the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to come upon our lives, it is nothing. The knowledge you have is nothing unless you put it into practice. Unless you allow the Holy Spirit, Brother Forbes, to come into your life, into our lives, to make a difference, it is nothing. 
We have some own way Christians. We know the health laws, but we're still tearing up the flesh. And I'm even talking the pork. We know the health laws. We know what we should do, but we're doing things our own way. We know that God has given us a prescription for success, but we're doing our own stuff. We're living in the entertainment capital and, and everything is there for us, but we are compromising own way Christians and we shift. And when people are not looking, we do our own stuff. But we appear another way when other Christians are looking. It is a dangerous thing for us to try to deceive God when God is able, he is looking he, he sees and he knows your stuff. He knows your junk. He knows what you're sniffing. He knows what you're eating. He knows what you're touching. He knows if you're naughty and if you're nice. And so we have these Christians just trying to outsmart God. But this man was like that and he could not say anything. There will be some of us that will be speechless. Didn't you hear the sermons preached at Abundant Life, Seventh-day Adventist Church? Didn't you? You came all these years under Goodlow, under Rock, right? You came all these years. You heard the messages, but you decided to do your own stuff. Unfortunately, some of us will be speechless. In verse 13, then the king, then said the king to his servant, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him in the utter darkness. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. As I preached this last time, I told you the, 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 the meaning of that last. Many are called, but few are choosing. You have a choice, but you're not choosing because you feel that you are not convicted. This is, you're, you're above that. You're too educated for that. You know, it's a hard thing when you see some individuals go to school and they earn their degrees. And they have so many degrees now that it, it outnumbers their name. And they come back and uh, uh, they walk in that learned fashion. They sit in that, you know, fashion there. We, we say in Jamaica, you cut 10, right? And you, you're looking all educated and all sophisticated and, and you have more knowledge than even God himself, or so you think. Own way Christians. But what you are preparing for, you're, you're preparing for a sophisticated hell. Instead of a humble heaven. It is important, folks, for us to realize and recognize the word of God cannot be trifled with. You can't play around with the word of God. God wants us to be real. It is a hard thing, and one thing I ask myself over and over, sometimes I ask, 
Lord, why do I do this? Honestly. Because there are people that come Sabbath after Sabbath, communion after communion. We take the emblems. We drink it. We eat it. All of this stuff. But it's not real to us. And it's a game to us. When God simply says, listen, I just want to invite you to my banqueting feast. I want you to come to my wedding. I want you to come to the wedding of my son. And all that you have to do is surrender yourself. You got to surrender all. Give it all up. Give it all up. Some of you jobs that you know that you should not be doing, give it up. Some of us, we're living in an alternate lifestyle that we should give it up. It's a salvation. It is your soul on the line. Give it up. Give it up and just allow the Holy Spirit to take over your life. Give it up. I know how hard it was to give up stuff because I, I went to the time of my life when I had, I had a life of fame. Just follow. All you have to do is run. Run. If you get good, you're going to get endorsements and all of these things. But I had a decision. Run on Sabbath. Break the Sabbath running. Run for a little while, you're going to retire anyways, and you could be the best Seventh-day Adventist you could be. <laughs> At least you will have your fame, your name will be there, and all of that. But I had to make a decision. And I praise God for one little moment, the Lord showed me my future. And I saw if I had gone down that pathway, if I had gone down that pathway of fame and all of that stuff, that eventually what would be my end? <laughs> I would be in a prosperous hell. <laughs> Folks, we got to understand, we're in the time of the end. This is the time. If you're ever wanting to wait for a sign to wake up and to accept Jesus Christ... To surrender all, it is right now. There is no better time than now. It doesn't matter how pretty you are. If you're thinking you're, you're using your beauty to make get open doors for you, it's not going to last long. The age is up on us. The age will be up on you. Folks, your money can't help you. Your education can't help you. The only help you have is God. And he's the one that is inviting us to his feast. This table, by extension, if you could put the Lord's Supper picture on the screen. This table, by extension represents the table that we will be feasting from at the wedding feast. Taken from, drinking from this table indicates to God that I want to be there. 
on that day, when you enter the kingdom of heaven, the Lord says that there is going to be a table there, and he's invited every one of us to come to that table, to that feast, to sup with his son. And we're going to have this for eternity. I believe that we're going to have supper with the Lord. I believe we're going to have lunch with the Lord. I believe we're going to wake up and have breakfast with the Lord. And guess what? We're not going to be sleeping, so I think there's going to be a lot of snacking as well. <laughs> but there's a table that's going to be established for every single one of us, and there is a place at the table for you and me. And all that we have to do is accept the invitation. Come on. That's all we have to do. But thou fool, the fool saith in his heart, there is no God. I don't believe it. And so you live and you squander and you wonder and everything. But the time will come when you see that indeed that the table is real. And God's promises are real. And if you are in the category of the disobedient, you will be speechless. I want to thank God that God, around this table, we see the disciples. I wish the picture was a little bigger. We see the disciples, 12 disciples around this table. They were all different characters. We had the Peter and if you know Peter, Peter was a rough guy. He was a mean guy. You don't want to play around with Peter, right? If he hugs you and his beard touches you, you'll be cut. That's a rough neck guy, right? Peter, right? But Peter, remember Peter, when, when, the, when the armies came to surround Jesus, he, he took his sword to cut the man in two, and Jesus just caused it to drift her, you know, to the side of the ears and snipped the man's ears off. Peter was a guy that didn't play. Around this communion table, these guys were rough. They had their weapons. It's like the equivalent of these guys. If you should modernize them, they will be around the table, and they'll have their gun, right? They'll probably have their knives and their sword and everything, Rough guys, right? If anything, if, if say that an enemy bursts in here to, into the Lord's uh, supper, supper, right? These guys will stand up and they will, they're ready to deal. Right? These guys were rough. You don't play with these rough fishermen, right? They were not just no little pian pian guys, right? These guys were tough and buffed, right? They were doing this all their lives. And so what we have to understand is that God was able to work with these roughnecks. He was able to work with these hitmen. He was able to work, work with these guys to the point that, I mean, we know them as these wonderful disciples. But if we look back in their past life, you will be shocked. What I'm saying to us, everybody, wherever you're from, whatever you have done, Whatever you have on your mind right now. You may have come to church this morning and you have sniffed something in your nose that should not be there. And it's working in your brain. And your high God is able to work with you too. You may have alcohol on your breath. God is able to work with you too. 
You may have used a needle this week. He's able to work with whatever situation you are find yourself in, as long as you're alive right now, God is able to take you. And he will transform you. That the latter self will not be like the former. That's the kind of God that we serve. This morning, I want to introduce to you a man that he, he did some things. He lived a delicious life. And he, he was, let me say, he was a bad man. There's no other way to say it. This man was a rough neck. This is not a man that you would want to meet down an, an alley, right? A dark alley, even if there's lights in it. <laughs> this man was the real deal. And um, our dear brother came through some circumstances, but I believe that the Lord took him as a brand plucked from the burning to be here today to give you a testimony. He's here with his beloved wife and his son, and I'm going to invite um, Brother Richie Sapovida to come forward. Brother Richie, come forward here, please. We met him at the youth um, conference that uh, the youth went to last year, and I was really impressed with his testimony. And ironically, he says, you know, Pastor, I'm going to be in Vegas on May the 5th. And I said, this is the rest of my sermon. Hear he him. <laughs> blessings, blessings. Good morning, saints. God is good, huh? All the time. It's, it's a privilege and an honor to be out here in Vegas and to come and celebrate Sabbath with our family, with my family. You know, now I, I love that I serve an awesome God because I can go all over the world, and I have family all over. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to sit there. Uh, you see, because at one time I had a, I belonged to a big family. I used to be a member of a drug cartel family from Mexico at the age of 13. I started using heroin. I'm from Texas. I was born in El Paso, but I was raised in the prison system. And uh, I got arrested when I was 17. I got out when I was 45 years old. You see. point in my life, you see, at one point in my life, I didn't believe in God. You see, they made an article on me, came out on the front page, they did a background check on me and found out how come I was in prison that long, you know, 
I used to be a hitman for the drug cartels from Mexico at the age of 13. Thank you. At the age of 17, they sent me and six other guys, older members from the drug cartels to make a drug deal in Texas. And we got arrested. But in the process, three DA agents got killed. I was 17 at the time when I got arrested and they sentenced me they tried me as an adult, and they gave me life without possibility of parole in Texas. At the age of 17, by the age of 19, I was in death row, Huntsville, Texas, serving a life sentence. You see, God, man sentenced me to die in prison, but God rescued me in prison. Because I, sh I should have been dead a long time ago. A lot of us should have been dead a long time ago. But no one but God. You see. Because when I was growing up, the only God I knew was a green reaper. The angel of this was my God. You see, a lot of people don't know that all the drugs that come to the United States, from the drug cartels, before they cross them over, they worship them under a black tarp with a big image of the Green Reaper. And they pray on it in hope that when you get that drug over here and you try it, you either join us or you die. That's, that's their prayer on that drug, cocaine, weed, all those drugs coming across this way. I know because I was there at one time. You see, and a lot of people don't know that. See, I just thank God that God saved me and rescued me and gave me that second chance in life to really know who God is. See, I have a best friend and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. There's only one homeboy in my life and his name's Jesus. All my logos, is God's got my back. Because I don't care how big the gangs and the cartels are. No weapon for my against me shall prosper. Because God's got my back. You see? And I can go all over the world and claim my God. See, because I can walk in any church, any street, and I know who got my back. See, I can go to any neighborhood, any gang, infested area, and I know who I'm going in with. See? And I still carry my guns. I carry a 357. <laughs> and I carry a 22. Because the devil's real. You see? But God's real, man. You see, he saved me from a death that I was going straight to hell. And I just thank God for that, the many chances he gave me in life. Because he sent a lot of Christian brothers in prison to talk to me about God. And I used to hurt them physically. I used to send friends, uh, allies of mine, to hurt them and send them out of my unit in plastic bags. 
when the time and Christmas and all that, that a lot of ministries would come into the yard and do their program with praise and worship and stuff. We used to get flyers in prison that so-and-so ministry is coming in to do a, an event and whoever wants to go to that event, you gotta get enrolled, I mean, sign up and they gotta follow procedures if you're eligible to go out there to the unit to mingle with fellow inmates. And so I used to send out a letter to do a hit on anybody so they could shut down the unit for six months because them people weren't coming into my yard. That's the kind of person I used to be. See, now we're into prison ministry, now, going, now I go into those backyards. See? But I thank God, you know, because I have a forgiving God, an awesome God. See? I have a son, a three-year-old son. He's in the mother's room with my wife. I have a lovely, godly wife. See, we do prison ministry, we do homeless ministry. The day I got baptized, October 22nd, 2011, 2010, sorry. I got baptized at Seventh-day Adventist 16th Street, San Bernardino. That's where we're coming from right now, San Bernardino. See, and the day I got baptized, the drug cartels sent a, a rep from our family from back home to see if it was true, what I had told them when I got out. Because you see, I was supposed to die in prison. This was the deal when we went to court. But God had other plans in my life. See. In 1998, my appeal came up and we came back to Texas on the murder cases and my life sentence. I wasn't even in the courtroom five minutes and I won my appeal. I had done 15 years in, in death row in Huntsville, came to Texas, won my appeal in five minutes because I was supposed to got, I was supposed to be dead. They were supposed to sentence me for, to the lethal injection. They sentenced me as, they trial me as an adult, but they sentenced me as a juvenile. So that was the technical I, Texas did. They made a mistake. And I won my appeal. So I had to take my life back. But while I was in prison, I was committing all this hits, all this assaults, all robberies, extortion, possessions of heroin, cocaine, in death row, I OD three times. They found ounces of heroin in my cell and death row, cell phones. See, I was supposed to be getting another life sentence, but the judge told me, you got 11 free roll cases that I can sentence you to 10 years on each one of them. That's 110 years. Or you can sign a 10 year deal right now for all of them and go do 10 years and come out clean. I just done 15. So if I sign a 10, I have an outdate? He goes, yeah. Sign the dotted line. They sent me to Colorado Springs in Colorado City. That's where John Gotti passed away, an underground prison, federal prison underground, 11 stories underground with no human contact, no radio, no TV, no visits, no mail, no commissary, 
they were only giving me peanut butter sandwiches, four peanut butter sandwiches a day. I was in that cell for 10 years straight. The only thing that was in that cell was a Bible. And you mind you, before I went to there, I had something, me and God had something going that I didn't believe in God. I used to smoke the Bibles in death row. God put me somewhere where we, me and him were gonna have to talk, <laughs> bottom line. See? No matter what we go through in life, God's going to put us somewhere where we're going to listen. You see, it's like our kids running around with people we don't want them to run. We let them know they're bad kids. They're not bad. It's just the choices they make that are bad that I don't agree with. You know, so stop hanging around with them. They keep hanging around with them. Later on, they find themselves behind a police car in jail and Who's the first one they call? Not their friends. Mom, dad, I'm in jail. Oh, now you're in jail? Now call your friends. <laughs> I'll start going to church, all these promises, man. We've all been through them. You see? But the one person we need to make that commitment with is God. We can promise our moms, our dads, our granddaddies, everything, all the promises they want to hear. But there's one person that wants that promise, and that's God. And while we don't make that promise with him, he's going to let us go like a, like a rubber band. But when he lets go of that rubber band, we're going to turn because it's going to hurt. And when it hurts, it still took me five years before I picked up that Bible in that cell. Because I had a plan. I get out in 10 years. Drug cartels don't know I'm coming now. They think I'm going to die. I know where the head of the drug cartel lives. I know the game. I know where the money is. I'm going to go take him out. I'll be the head of the drug cartel. Richie had his plan. But little did I know God had his plan in my life. <laughs> How many of you believe in angels? Five years in that cell, I was asleep and an angel kissed me. I woke up and the Bible came alive in my life. God came into my life there and there. And I got on my knees and I cried and I prayed and I asked God to forgive me and to show me his plan. I stand before you a free man. That's God's plan. You see, everybody tells me when they see the articles, is that you? I say, no, that's God. <laughs> you see, because if you were really to know me, how I used to be, I, in 1980, in 1990, I came out on the front page like that, but shackled with a life sentence in Texas. Almost, almost 30 years later, they put that on the front page. You see, that's God. I work for San Bernardino County now as a motivation speaker, as a nurturing father counselor, because I, I had to fight a CPS case on my son. That's my son. 
when he was born because the court system told me I was an unfit father. You see, now I work, you know, educating fathers, you know, letting them know that, you know, if God could abuse me, you know, a hitman, drug addict, cartel member, now a godly man, a man after God's heart, you know, a father, you know, he can use anybody, anybody, you see. The devil wants, wants you to think that just because you backslid or you're doing this or you're doing that, nobody knows that you're no good, he's a liar, he's a liar. You see how they say that once you're a Christian or you belong in a God's family, you got a target in your back? I got my target. God's got my back. Amen. I let the, thank you, Pastor. I let the devil know. You know, there's only one, one person that has me, and that's God. You see, on the front, we do a lot of scriptures. Got that no weapon form against me shall prosper, Isaiah 54 17. But that's what we do. We empower youth to wear logos like this in schools, in the street. You know, let, let people know who you really serve. There's only two masters. Who you really going to serve? Who's your father? That's what I tell a lot of youth. You know, who's your father? Who do you really serve? See, because you're at church on Sabbath, but then all week you're hanging around at the spot and in the corner and with your homies. And who do you serve? You know, you, you can't really serve two masters. I've tried it. See, I've tried it. I've been there. I've been in the game. I've been, I've seen so many guns. I've seen so much drugs. I've seen so much money. You know, I don't have nothing now, but just don't take God away from me. You know what I mean? Don't take it. Thank you. I want you to continue. Yes. Yes. All right. Amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. Now, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. We're going to hear. He's going to give us a little more information as we go into the next testimony session as we, when we get into the formal communion service. But you see what God can do with one man. When he is dedicated himself to God, even under a prison that is under the earth, seven stories, 11 stories under the earth, right? God is able to dig you out. You know, we have a Jonah experience here, and we want to praise God. You are in the belly of the whale, <laughs> or in the belly of the earth, but we want to praise God for what he has done and what he is doing, that he is alive to even give, give us this information. Now, church, you know, this is all real. And some of us, we think that, you know, we have it all under control. But, you know, we need to yield and just surrender our lives to Christ. And we see an yet another testimony of that. As we make our transition into our service today, into the ordinance of humility, um, we are called as God's people to serve uh, one another, ultimately as we are serving God. And so today, uh, we pray that this will be a meaningful experience for all of us. Uh, we want all the women to get together. 
uh, we are going to have a designated song um, service person over on the other side. We want this to be all a service of all prayer and songs. And so I'm asking us as we make our transition, the men is going to be over in the overflow room here. The women is going to be in the um, fellowship hall. And for those that will remain in here, we want to invite everyone, uh, men and women on this side. Uh, but if you are here, we will have some instrumental music uh, provided for you as you meditate. Um, we want to encourage this to be a spiritual exercise. So let's try not to, you know, get into any chatter or distractions and all of that. Pray with the partner, the, per the partner that you are going to be washing feet with. Pray for that person. Exchange prayer requests. Pray for each other. Wash one another's feet and participate in the spiritual songs that will uh, be led out by our song leaders in re the respected areas. After which, uh, we hope to come back in here in the next few minutes after everyone washes their feet, we will come back and we will formally have the uh, communion service. During the communion service, the serving of the bread, we're going to hear a little more from um, uh, Richie uh, Sapuda, uh, Sapuvida and also in the serving of the wine. And so we want to encourage everyone to stay with us. This is going to be a meaningful experience for you, especially when you hear his testimony of how he became a Seventh-day Adventist. That is what really grabbed me. Um, there was a shootout in the church, you know, an attempt to shoot out in the church. We want to hear that and see what God has in store for us. Just listening through this uh, testimony of this gentleman. May God bless us as we all stand now. We're going to sing our song. We gather together number eight as our transition song. Song service leaders, please continue the songs in the respect, in respected areas. Bring a songbook. I'm going to ask Brother, uh, I see um, um, Brother Henderson and I see Brother um, with the yellow jacket, Brother Dennis. Right. I'm going to ask you to lead out in the song for the uh, men, Sister Stevenson, and who else? Uh, Sister Brown, uh, please lead out for the women. We want to keep it. Let us have this uh, a meaningful experience as we enter into the ordinance of humility. Father, we ask that you bless us as we prepare ourselves to take these ordinance, Lord. We pray that you will uh, lead out, that we will see each other as one, and that as we enter into this miniature baptism, that we will be cleansed indeed, Lord, uh, robing ourselves with your garment of righteousness. Bless and keep us, Lord, as we transition now. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We gather together, number eight.